The following is a hoop bowl presentation. All right. Welcome into the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast presented by Hoop Ball. I am your host, Patrick Lambert. You can also find the show on Twitter at Hoop Ball Celtics for any Celtics related tweets. You can find me personally on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. That's B A L L I N O P I N I O N S. Once again, I am joined by my co host, Lucas. Lucas, go ahead and tag yourself in here. Uh, how's it going? Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Luca underscore Gainer. Um, that's pretty much the only thing I have to plug at the moment. Um, uh, Patrick, I'm just ready to you know, dive into all the stuff we have to cover today. Yeah, me too, man. I'm excited, man. Happy Fourth of July to you. And uh, we're recording this on July 3rd on a Saturday, linking up, you know, a little later after that press conference. Let's kind of digest that a little bit. We're also going to break down some uh, the Jalen Brown rumors between people bringing up his name for some reason uh, when it goes with uh, Damian Lillard out there and and Bradley Beald. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll just talk about some potential guys we want to see possibly uh, – get picked up and then put on the Celtics here. Maybe talk also a little bit of uh, some assistants that uh, have been rumored as well to be under um, Ime um, for the Boston Celtics. All right. So let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, the press conference came in, man. First reaction. How do you feel about it, Lucas? Oh, honestly, I could not feel better um, as a Celtics fan right now than after I did watching the press conference. Um Ime seemed to bring everything I wanted from a philosophical standpoint, from a cohesion standpoint, and from, you know, uh, uh, the level of he's going to push the Celtics players and team as a whole to just uh, reach that next step that I think we all know the Celtics are capable of reaching. Yeah, man, he's definitely bringing in some type of alpha energy in a sense of like he's going to make sure that these guys listen to him and he's not going to be scared to do it. Um, I already remember uh, one of the key points in that presser was he was he, he even stated he's not worried about the Celtics players accepting the hard coaching because he feels like they're asking for it mm-hmm. and so he's going to bring that to the table I thought that was a very good uh thing to take away because at times it you know the season last year as much as we love Brad it kind of seemed like he he didn't have that type of hold on the team in a sense of having that hard coaching like I don't know how it was in practices because the media coverage especially last year with COVID and everything, it was harder to get a grasp of what really was, was going on between the team and, and maybe the players and the coach. But it just had like a, a feeling that maybe uh, Brad Stevens had a cap as far as pushing these guys. Or maybe it was just one of those weird seasons with COVID. It was just – Brad Stevens looked really tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that Ime actually did mention that, um, you know, Jason and Jalen asked him about, you know, are they going to get that hard coaching – and I think that's something he's going to provide, you know, especially as a guy who bounced around the league, you know, kind of a defense first guy. Um, you know, he said, uh, you know, he said he was cut more timed as cut more times as a player than he was guaranteed. So I think that will also bode well for, you know, when the Celtics are facing adversity, he clearly not a guy who's going to get rattled or anything. You know, he's going to stay calm under pressure, um, but also, you know, let the players know the urgency of the situation. Oh, 100%, man. I am I was, like, looking at that press cons, uh, conference and just watching, like, um, the body leads. I also remember um, the part where uh, Odoku actually said uh, Celtics want to have more team basketball after finishing 27th in assists last year. Said he also wants to bring the dog out and guys. He apologized to Brad for bringing it up, uh, the bad assist stats, but I thought that was, like, a funny little jab at – at Brad Stevens, it's, it's always I feel like an awkward, um, weird situation when you come in, and it's like in this situation in particular, you, your coach that you're replacing is now your boss, mm-hmm. so you're trying to fix right. everything that your boss did wrong, in a sense. So it's almost kind of weird in that in that way. Um, but I thought that was kind of funny that he already has that kind of relationship with Brad Stevens, where he's bringing up the 27 assists and like kind of joking about it. But like in reality, it's like, yeah, that's something we really do need to improve on, and. He's emphasizing the fact that they want to play more team basketball. Um, and he also made a very strong indication by stating that Marcus Smart is a foundational piece. I thought that was a huge statement that may be underlooked more than it should be because I think that's a strong indication that they 
probably are going to be trying to keep Marcus smart after this season. Yeah. So just to respond to a couple of things you said, um, I think that first of all, I loved seeing Eme make that little joke about the Celtics being 27th in assists, because like you're saying, that signals him and Brad have a cool relationship already. Um, you know, Eme mentioned off the bat that him and um, Brad got along philosophically and they just had a connection. And, you know, I know that's what he's supposed to say, but it was pretty clear to me from the press conference that that is not manufactured. Like, you know, the situation could be much, much worse. And this seemed very natural, very organic. It seemed like they really got along. Um, so I'm really excited to see that because, like you said, it is a bit of an awkward situation, you know, when the coach is now the president of operations and, you know, he has to come in and try and do better than his boss, like you said. But it's very clear to me they have a real connection. And then two, the part about Marcus, I personally love to hear that. I would love Marcus Smart to be part of our future. You know, I think he's an incredibly impactful player when it comes to winning. And, you know, I think I would tend to agree he is a foundational piece of our team. He has been for the last six or seven years. Oh, 100%. I think the the reason that he might like Marcus Smart so much is that he's been known to be this defensive-minded coach. And it's like, who other to have on your team to, to keep kind of like that culture built and start up really that defensive mind than having a guy like Marcus Smart? And that's also one of the things that I, I, I wanted to bring in here is that I think there's a big possibility that we go into this next season and our starting point guard is Marcus Smart. I think that's a big possibility. Um, I agree. You know, it all depends on how this offseason goes, and we'll go over some of the free agencies, uh, guys that we might want to see on the team, but that doesn't mean that we're going to get them. You know, the cap situation right now is a little wonky for the Celtics as far as that goes, and and they're going to be hard-capped in a lot of areas. But um, I would not be shocked if Marcus Smart's going to be the starting point guard for this team to open up the season. No, I wouldn't be shocked at all either. And I think um, if you can extend smart at a reasonable number, um, and even if you can't, you know, I think at his price, I think it's just smarter to go in with a guy who's proven he can play point guard. You know, of course, he has some laps when it comes to shot selection. But Marcus has proven he's a good point guard. So I think it would be a little short-sighted to rush, throw some money at a point guard when we potentially have a capable one right here on our roster already who we know is going to do everything he can uh, to help us win basketball games. Yeah, 100%. And I also liked when Amine also uh, was excited to work with the Celtics, like two young pillars, he called them, um, referring yes. to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And he, he also mentioned that they took big, huge leaps last year in the past season. And he just wants to help them advance further. So this was the most attractive job in this whole offseason. You know, just shows that, you know, like you've seen this whole entire team and you're like, Boston was a prime job, man, and he understands that the expectations coming into the Celtics and and having this opportunity, but also understand that, like, hey, man, they got two really good players to start the foundation with. Like, he's he understands all the pressure that's going to come with and everything, and I think that's just going to help him move forward as well as the coach. Yeah, um, I believe he re- referred to them as the two pillars when someone asked him, "Do you believe you can take this team beyond the Eastern Conference Finals?" to the finals and contend. And Ime said something that I agree with. As long as Jason and Jalen are in town, we have these two guys, there'll be a chance. Um, And another thing that Ime said that I really, really um, love to hear was he mentioned, I think three on three separate occasions, he mentioned how much he wants to accelerate the development of some first round picks on our roster. So um, I think that those like, you know, guys like Romeo Grant, I know Carson was beginning of the second round, um, Neesmith, guys developing into actual NBA rotation players could really be a make-or-break thing for the Celtics. Um, you know, that could get them out of sticky cap situations. Um, so I really love to hear that because I do think those players really need to develop. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think they do need to develop. I think uh, one of the things known, though, uh, when you talk about the younger guys on the on the team here was – Peyton Pritchard, uh, he's actually known Peyton Pritchard since he was a young kid in Portland. So he has relationships with plenty of the Celtics already, which is nice. He also said, uh, he, he even said this, you know, I'm, I'm still going to be on their ass. Like, <laughs> and he's, <laughs> yeah. which I love too. And it's like, he does not care. Like, you know, yeah, we, we, I may have a relationship with some of these guys, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be out here, you know, doing it, you know, just going to be like, Oh, I'm going to fit right in and, and just have a good relationship and just be easy on him. No, he's going to be 
on these dudes and making sure that they do excel in that development area. He's going to make an emphasis to, to try to really push out because he's really only got like one or two years with a lot of these young guys to decide, like, are these guys going to be the right pieces to put around your two pillars in order to take that step and contend and, and compete for a uh, championship. And I think that was something that was very interesting. He also said that he wants to just bring the dog out in the guys, which I love too. Like I want to see him bring out fire in these guys. I want these guys to start playing with a lot more energy. I, fe- I felt like last season there was times in games where it just felt like the team just kind of laid over and didn't show as much energy or effort at times. And I'm just, I'm hyped with, I mean, a here with, with this energy, new energy, hoping that he can really push these guys to compete for 48 minutes every game. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and I really think that, um, you know, hiring Ime Udoka as the coach will help restore the Celtics identity because like you're saying, sometimes they would roll over, um, you know, and just, you know, kind of collapse when, you know, they were facing adversity. Whereas the Celtics years prior, I think one thing they were known for is never, ever being out of a game. No matter what the score was, they were always going to force turnovers. You know, they're going to play as a team. And I think that he'll really restore that uh, that identity. And honestly, I think that's best for the Celtics because, uh, you know, as much as Jalen and Jason are good at scoring uh, um, in ISO, I think that, you know, our team's uh, ceiling will be 100% um, maximized uh, playing team Spursian-like basketball. Absolutely. And then I, I know you mean uh, also mentioned about his staff. He was asked about um, thinking about building his staff. He says he had a ton of time. You know, he spent a ton of time thinking about it, but he also believes that it's necessary. He he doesn't have to have a veteran staff as much as an energetic staff. So he also wants to build um, a coaching staff that's going to jolt the players as well, pump up the players as well, push the players as well. So not only is the head coach going to be, you know, pushing these guys to play hard, but he's going to build a a coaching staff that's going to require that as well. So there's going to be no time off. So when the coach isn't paying attention – or doesn't catch something, that assistant or the other guys on the on the bench there coaching them are also going to be on these players to really up that level and make sure that they keep their energy and intensity on a high high frequency, which is something that I really liked when he mentioned that as well. Yeah, and one phrase he used a few times was hands on. He wants to be really. He said he he wants to be really hands on with the players. He said he wants to be hands hands on with his assistant, and he said he wants his assistants to be hands on. Um, I just think that that really will go a long way, you know, really in factoring in the development of um, the individual players, which will obviously then, you know, lead to the development of the team and organization as a whole. And, um, you know, Ime said he's a very big player guy. um, And uh, he just wants to, you know, get the players on the same page and the organization on the same page because he knows uh, what great things the Celtics are capable of. Um, as long as they have the two pillars in town, which is, I think, a good segue um, to start talking about you know, people may be rumoring one of the pillars, um, you know, in trade rumors, you know, which Patrick, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take this. How do you feel about people floating the idea of trading Jalen Brown for a guy like Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal? Ah, uh, man, it's, it's complete nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Personally. Uh, I'm thinking that like, what, what is the point here? You know, you, you look at a guy like Bradley Beal, who is, um, a little bit later in his career. So what are you going to do? You got 10 probably solid years of Jalen Brown at a high level. You're going to trade that for a Bradley Beal who gets you three, five, yeah. actually half that. Um, you, you don't really um, – I, I just don't see the – I don't see the enticement enticing this right there. Like Also, like what Bradley Beal was averaging at age 24 and Jalen Brown was averaging at 20 was very similar. So it's like, why not stick with the guy who's younger and can maybe develop and be better than Bradley Beal at some point? Um, not saying he will be, but there's a, still a possibility. The Damian Lillard one is obviously like a little bit more enticing in the sense that like, all right, Damian Lillard, top top 10 guy in the league. You know, I don't think of that when I think of Bradley Beal. But however, now you're talking about a guy who's in his 30s that's even shorter of a, a time period as well. So I'm just not sold on the age of these other players. And I, I'm thinking, too, Jalen Browns. it's going to take more than just Jalen Brown. Like, they're, they're going to want Jalen Brown plus some other stuff. And that's just uh, – it's a no bueno for me. So we're going to stick with – you know, I say we stick with the two all-stars we get instead of trading one all-star to get another all-star that has a less of a clock. So what's the point of that? Um, that's, that's my opinion on it personally. 
Oh, I, I could not agree more, Patrick. Um, I do not understand why you would rip. So we were lucky enough to draft two two-way wings who can average t- at least tw- you know, 24, 25 points a game this early in their career. We were lucky enough to draft those two players. I do not see the sense at all in trading one for specifically Bradley Beal because that move, at very best, like you said, shortens our window, and then it's lateral. He's he's a very good scorer. I w- he's a better scorer than Jalen, but um, Jalen's potential is through the roof compared to him. His defense is already better than Bradley Beal's. He's more athletic. Um, I think I, that move makes no sense. Now, Dame, to me, that one doesn't make any sense either. Like you said, you know, Dame sounds better than Bradley Beal. But do you want to pay a small guard, an aging small guard, $50 million in a couple of years? You know, from how the last few years have gone as a Celtics fan, I'm pretty sure Celtics fans should have hit that one with a resounding no. Um, Jalen is on a better deal. And also, by the time Jalen is up for his next contract, he's going to be in his prime. A, a player who plays both sides of the ball with size, I'm willing to max him. I'm willing to pay him as much as he wants uh, as opposed to paying, you know, a 30-some-odd small guard uh, 50 mil. As much as I love Dame and Bradley Beal, I don't want to act like this is a anti-them thing. I just don't think it makes any sense as far as team construction is concerned for the South. I mean, yeah, and you're also talking about the new coach coming in that's defensive-minded, right? And we're talking about developing. Like, 24- and 23-year-old, your two best players still have time to develop. And one side of the basketball is defense. And that's flashes that they both have shown that they have the ability to even get better at. Like, we're talking about maybe Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum possibly being, you know, a top. both of them could be top 10, top 15 defending wings in the NBA. I think Jason Tatum's already in the top 15 as far as wing goes, as far as on the defensive side of the ball. He still has some areas that he needs to improve on. And then Jalen Brown has shown flashes where it looks like he could be top 15. And he's had, a, like, this season, I'm I'm kind of on the, the fence with it, but I understand that the knee tendonitis came in and affected him. And also his offensive load definitely went up. So it's just going to be interesting to see if uh, he can uh, up his development on that side of the ball. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, do you want to get into um, some potential assistance the Celtics could, uh, you know, bring in or already have brought in, actually? Yeah, don't you have some uh, – you have a name, right, um, out there? Yeah, so all... Will Hardy, um, you know, last season was his 10th as an assistant coach with the Spurs, or a fourth as an assistant, but he's been in the um, organization for 10 years. Uh, he started as the video coordinator. He was the summer league head coach, uh, moved his way up to be an assistant coach. Um, and, you know, Ime said in his presser that, you know, he's been in the league so long as a player and a coach, he's formed a lot of relationships. Um, so for him to bring Will Hardy over right away, to me, says a lot about, uh, you know, who Will Hardy is as a coach, as a basketball, um, you know, just a person in basketball. So, you know, I, I can't say I know a ton about him, but, you know, from what I read as far as, you know, what he contributed to the Spurs organization, I think that's great. Um, and, you know, I will have to say just quickly, um, you know, the Celtics did not renew Jamie Young and Jay Laranega's contracts um, to longtime assistant coaches. So I just want to say, you know, Jay Laranega, he's just been a constant guy. You know, since I've been a kid, I'm pretty sure he's been an assistant coach. So it's sad to see him go. He's a great assistant coach. But, uh, you know, I hope he finds I hope he finds another job somewhere else because he, he's, he's a really great guy. Same, same goes to Jamie Young. Absolutely. No, um, and, I, and I also heard a, a rumor of um, the Stoudemire guy that's been linked to the team as well. I haven't been able to look into him yeah. as much either. So, but so it's, yeah, I can – Damon Stoudemire, any, I know – I mean, yeah, bring it he's down. a terrific player, um, Mighty Mouse. Uh, I think he would be more of the uh, offensive guy, you know, because, um, you know, that's what shown through on his, on his, his game when he played. But he actually is the head coach at Pacific. Um, and I was just looking, uh, you know, a couple of days ago – yeah, when he first took over for Pacific, uh, they were five and twenty-two, and that doesn't sound great. Um, but just in three years, he turned them into a twenty-three and ten win team. Um, and if you know anything about building programs in college basketball, it's very hard to have that big a turnaround in that short a time. Um, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to you know to him hopefully coming on board. I understand if he wants to stick at Pacific, you know he's building that program. But I would really, I would really love to see him on the Celtics staff. Maybe we're able to prime away with such an enticing job here at the the NBA level if the Celtics end up offering him a position because um, uh, it'd just be really nice to have an offensive-minded guy also um, to be an assistant next to 
the new head coach who's who's more on the defensive side of things. And I'm just also very interested on, on what he's going to bring offensively for uh, as far as uh, the head coach um, Ime is going to bring as far as offense, the offensive side of the ball. But also speaking about um, some guys that we, we potentially want to want to see on this roster, uh, let's go down and, and throw some, some free agent names out there that are possibly that you would like to see on the Celtics roster next season. Okay, so I'll start with. Um, we'll I'll we'll start go with one one. Do... We'll let you go one. I'll okay. go one, and we'll we'll see. What okay, you... so I'll start with my unrealistic uh, restricted free agent. You know, this I'm gonna I'm gonna get some groans here. I already know, but uh, I'm being serious too. Is Frank Nilakina? Okay, he's gonna cost nothing. He's gonna exactly. There's a little <laughs> chuckle right there. You know, he costs nothing to bring in, but he's a six foot six guard. Um, who can play defense, you know, he has shown very, very, very little on the offensive end, but he's still young. Um, you know, if we bring in Damon Stoudemire, you know, some more coaches, he may set how much he wants to develop players. If we can bring in Frank the Tank for, you know, next to nothing, you know, I honestly would like that as a move. I, I was a fan of him on the Knicks. He, you know, he, he showed me some good moments, but he, he lacked the confidence and, um, you know, offensive game to ever consistently see the floor. But I think that is a good flyer. But like I said, that's pretty unrealistic. That's more of just a guy I like and would love to see in uh, uh, in Boston. I love I love it, man. I love it. You know, you, you're just you're throwing out a name out there that a lot of people probably haven't rumored towards the Celtics yet. And, you know, you, you broke it down well. So, I mean, I, I'll throw out my, my uh, unrealistic one right off the rip. And I think we all know who that's going to be. He's a restricted free agent. Um, somebody who I, I still feel is like a perfect fit, but um, we won't we won't necessarily have the the cap to really work it. It's going to be too complex in that sense. But I'd love to see Lonzo Ball on this team. Uh, I think he'd he'd be a really good fit for what the Celtics need. Unfortunately, the cap situation is really hindering the opportunity. If we were like in two years of our cap situation, where the Horford contract was off the table on us, then we might have a little bit more space to possibly work out. But, uh, you know, I'd love to see Alonzo Ball, who has that defensive ability on the perimeter side, him next to Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum. Defensively, that's four people. And then could you just imagine, like, Robert Williams in the middle? Like, you're talking about a unit that would just be insane on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm talking about five guys who really could play defense on a high level. And... Oh man, I, I have dreams about it, but I, I know that it's a dream that that is very unlikely to happen. Yeah, I would really love to see that. Honestly, if you even said to me three years ago um, that if you told me that future me said I would love to see Lonzo Ball in the Celtics, you know, I probably would have told you that you were crazy. But how he's developed as a player and the situation we're in now, I would honestly love to see uh, Lonzo. But like you said. It's a bit of a pipe dream, but, you know, we can have dreams. It's, it's okay to have dreams, you know? Yeah. Dreams are fine. Dreams are fine, man. Right. Uh, so who's no, another guy you got on your no. list here? Uh, you want me to go now? Yeah, you kick it off. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've been talking point guards here, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to another position I think is of need is the forward position. Um, I'm thinking we need to bring back a guy that, that was once a Celtic to, to really help us space the floor. I think he's... Um, a solid NBA player. Not, nothing is gonna. He's not gonna push us over the edge or anything. But he'd be a solid rotation piece for us. Possibly could start for us right off the rip. And that's Kelly Olynyk, man. Um, mm. The the ability for him to space the floor and shoot. That's our boy, man. You know, uh, dropping <laughs> dropping a bunch of points on the Wizards in a game seven, like he was Larry Bird. You know, out there, uh, the the Celtics would uh, welcome back with uh, open arms as a fan base. I know for sure. But I think he does add some things and needs for the Celtics who really struggled trying to figure out that that four position. We were forced to do a lot of big lineups last year that really hindered us in a lot of matchups. So I just would be very interested to see if they can get a four that can space the floor. Oh, if we can bring back KO on an affordable deal and get off Tristan Thompson's money, I really would not mind that at all. And, you know, no one's saying Kelly Olenek is a world beater on defense, but he was a guy who kind of knew where to be on defense at the very least. Um, you know, he's a good positional defender. Obviously, you know, that comes with limitations due to his, you know, his athleticism maybe and things like that of that nature. But uh, I wouldn't hate that at all. Um, I'm also actually going to bring up an unrestricted free agent who used to be a Celtic, except he was a Celtic a little more recently. And that's our guy, Evan Fournier. 
Um, you know, I took the low hanging fruit here, but uh, I would <laughs> I, I would love to uh, bring back Fournier on a reasonable deal. You know, paying him upwards of twenty mil that scares me. Um, but you know, if we can bring him back on a little bit of a cheaper deal, Fournier is a legitimate three level score. Um, you know, he can spot up shoot, he can shoot the mid range off the dribble, he can get to the rack, he can make the right reads. He's by no means uh, an, an incredible playmaker, but you know, I trust him to make at least you know some sound reads. Um, 16 mil, like Brittany's saying, like that sounds a little more reasonable, right, than 20. Um, I totally I was, agree. I was going to ask, what is your what is your limit there as far as uh, with the amount of money you're willing to pay him, though? Because we were talking about smart earlier. We want to keep him long term now. Mm-hmm. That's going to be kind of tricky if we take Fournier yeah. back, depending on the money. Totally. Um, so I would say about 16 is the max. But if you made me – if if it broke down to uh, where the Celtics were going to need to extend Marcus or bring back Fournier – um, you know, I would rather extend Marcus. Well, I could see Fournier taking a one-year deal on a little bit of a cheaper contract to then go out next offseason um, where there's going to be a lot of money to be spent and, you know, go get himself a three-year deal worth, you know, a little bit more money. I could see that being a possibility as well. Um, and, you know, Reese is not lying in the chat. The Knicks could throw Fournier upwards of like 22, $23 million, uh, and just steal him away from us. But I think that's why... Fournier might take a one-year deal on a little bit of a cheaper salary on a good team to prove he can contribute to winning basketball and then go get his bag next offseason, most likely from the Knicks. Um, but, you know, then I'll move on. I'll move on to the next uh, – my next guy. Um, I think the Celtics need more guys who are considered knockdown shooters. Um, I have a couple guys on the list, but I'll go with one who's a little more proven, I would say, than the other with Wayne Ellington. Um, is actually a guy I've been wanting in Boston Green and, and Kelly Green for a while now. Um, it just hasn't worked out. You know, he took some bigger deals to go play for worse teams, Knicks and the Pistons. Um, but, you know, if the Celtics can afford him, I think, you know, since he's aging, his uh, his market might go down a little bit. But the man can still play, and he can definitely still shoot. And I just think, uh, you know, like the Celtics have had good shooters um, over the past couple of years. But Wayne Ellington is a guy who is like a really – knockdown shooter like the Celtics you know maybe haven't had people of his caliber obviously Tatum's a terrific shooter but I'm talking about guys who play off ball a little more uh, so a guy like Wayne Ellington to space the floor for you know Rob Williams rolling to the hoop or even just Tatum going to the rack or Jalen of course uh, I think he would add a lot of value to the Celtics no I, I like that I like that pick I, I like Wayne Ellington as well he wasn't um, personally on my list so uh, you know you're throwing guys out here that I didn't even have on my list so and I, I made like a solid eight player list here. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the fact that uh, we're so uh, out there with our, our picks as far as adding some more depth onto this team. Um, I'm going to go back to the forward position one more time here. And I'm going to go for a veteran guy who's in his thirties now um, who I think can come in and actually contribute right away is a uh, Jamichael green. He's a restricted free agent for our, from Denver right now. And I think, to um, play defense at a good level, and he's a with the Celtics as current roster. I think he's kind of a piece that would be really solid for what they're looking for in that perspective. And overall, like a, a guy that can come in and contribute right away, and also give you some veteranship. So it's just a guy that I threw out there to to bring some more veteran veteran savviness to this roster. Oh. No, I love that. Um, honestly, Jamichael Green, along with Wayne Ellington, is another guy I've wanted the Celtics to sign for a couple of years now. I think they yeah, did. Really... I take one off your list there. <laughs> um, you know, you did, but I, you know, my my list is a little longer, maybe than it should be, even to uh, truth be told. But no, Jamichael Green's a guy I've wanted on the Celtics for a few years now. You know, just his toughness, his grit, is his is like you said, his veteranship. Uh, he can shoot threes, deep play defense, and rebound. Like honestly, that's all I can ask for uh, out of my out of my power forward in today's NBA. Uh, so I totally agree. That's a that's a great one. Yeah, uh, he's just somebody I'm looking at, and then I'll even go. Uh, I'll throw out one more forward here, um, a guy who's currently in the postseason, uh, Bobby Portis. Man, um, mm. just just a guy that that's gonna play. He's long, lanky, can play defense, can get you some buckets, can really run with a second unit very well. Um, why not? You know, um, I, I don't know how much money he's going to command that now that he's gone this far and had a pretty decent season, but he might be still in that range where the Celtics could possibly come in and bring him in uh, on a pretty affordable um, contract. And he, he's just somebody that I feel like the Celtics can really use at that four position because we're really thin right there. 
And on top of that, Patrick, I need Marcus Smart and Bobby Portis in the same locker room. I just need, <laughs> you know, they bring a similar type of energy. You know, like if there's any, if there's ever a kerfuffle on the court, you know, I know, uh, yes, I just said kerfuffle. Bobby Portis and uh, Marcus Smart are fully going to be there to, uh, to, you know, make sure things don't go out of hand or maybe they make things go out of hand. Either one. Um, but I need those two together. That's and the then, best of both worlds right there, man. That's just chaos waiting to either happen or, or chaos contained. 100%. And then, uh, you know, I have a couple more names. You know, uh, Reggie Bullock is the other guy besides Wayne Ellington I was considering. Um, you know, he's another knockdown shooter. I would say he's not not quite in the same tier shooter as Wayne Ellington to me, but he's dang close. Um, you know, I have Otto Porter, but he's probably going to, you know, I know he's lost a lot of value um, in the past couple of years, but I'm sure – He's still going to be a little too expensive uh, for the Celtics commit to commit that type of money to him. Um, and then another guy you've actually brought up before to me, um, so I'm going to totally steal him, is Patty Mills. God damn, you're going to steal my guy, um, man. You're still my is, guy. Is Patty Mills. You know, he has the San Antonio connection to Ime. Um, he's a veteran guy who can run the point guard. And talk about another shooter. You know, Patty Mills is a good shooter. As pretty much anyone we've mentioned thus far, um, he's played – you know, for over a decade, I believe. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who, you know, is not going to get rattled, you know, in a close game or, you know, running the offense or anything like that. So, you know, I'm sorry to steal your guy, but I think that's a, that's a really realistic option, I think, that could happen if he decides that he wants to leave San Antonio. That's fine. I'll, I'll throw a, I'll throw another uh, another forward out there that I think is just uh, too pricey, but I, I'd love to his fit on our team. Um it's definitely Laurie Markin. Like Laurie Markin is somebody that would be ideal, but I, he's definitely going to command uh, too much money, I believe, in the free agency. So uh, I'm, I'm going to shoot for a guy that's a little lower, and uh, somebody I've also mentioned to you, so you don't steal him too. Is uh, I'm going with Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, a guy that's uh, played under Ime uh, in Brooklyn already. He is coming off of a, a torn ACL, I believe it was, and. You know, maybe that's why we can get him at a cheaper deal. It might be a short-term deal where he wants to just do maybe like a one-year, very small deal to, just to prove that like, hey, I can play at a high level and then go get the bag next year. That's fine. Um, but, you know, if he's if he's going to want more than that, then uh, obviously the Celtics aren't going to be able to bring him in. But maybe that connection with the coach, uh, get him one more good year, play really well uh, under – you know, a team that has already two superstars, he that gives him the opportunity to shine a lot more uh, as if like he were to go back to Brooklyn where he'd be, you know, fourth option at best, not getting that opportunity. So maybe he signs a short-term deal real quick and, and plays for the big bag and, and tries to bet on himself. Yeah. Um, you know, the marketing one is interesting to me because on paper, I, I love that. I would love him, you know, a big man who – because, you know, his rookie year, he was quite good. Um, but, you know, Jim Boylan got in the way of his development, and he hasn't looked quite as good since then. Um, he's a little bit of a soft guy, doesn't play terrific defense. So, you know, personally, I might shy away from Lowry marketing, especially, like you said, considering what money he might command. That seems more of like a Knicks move to me, um, you know, kind of throwing the bag at Lowry. Um, you know, so uh, Coach Tibbs could get another uh, – could get another Bulls guy in there. Um, and also the last guy I'll say, who's another person I've caped for, but it never seems to happen. Um, this would only happen if we moved, you know, Tristan Thompson. And, you know, if Moses Brown will seem more of a future project, would be Dwayne Dedman, uh, another guy who can protect the rim and shoot threes. Um, you know, I would really love him um, in the Celtics organization. You know, I don't know. That just is like a guy I've wanted for a while now, just a solid veteran big who can, you can rely on. And, you know, he's not going to be that expensive. No, I like I like Dwayne Dedman. Dedman's a, a solid guy. Um, my only issue with that is just uh, the situation of like, damn, we already have a lot of bakes, man. Like, uh, totally. what, what, what is he? Was he um, chip into? Does he take Moses Brown's minutes away? Does he take uh, you know Al Horford's veteran minutes in? Um, you're not even talking about Robert Williams. If Robert Williams finds a way to get healthy and stay healthy, then um, I just don't know if the fit is necessarily there. I think Thompson is the odd man out right now that we need to get moving. Mm -hmm. And then that, that's why we need to fill either that forward or point guard position, kind of build a little bit more depth there than uh, the center position. But I, I do like Dwayne Demon yeah. as far as yeah. uh, a player in general. And then oh. my last guy on my list, man, you know, 
and it's it's strictly for playmaking purposes. Uh, he doesn't even have to start for us. Start Marcus Smart at the point guard. He can still Don't come off it. the bench and run the second unit. I'm saying TJ McConnell, man. I'm talking about the playmaking Mastro. Get the ball moving. Uh, you know, Ime has mentioned that he wants to get that ball really moving in this offense. And why not somebody who, for the Pacers, was able to do that with the second unit a lot. Um, got a lot of games where he had multiple, you know, 10-plus assist type games. Uh, he can also, you know, play alongside guys like Peyton Pritchard um, pretty well there. Um, Aaron e. Smith, like he might be able to help set up and get those um, those younger guys some better looks in the second unit, may help them a lot more. And he's really good at penetrating, um, attacking the basket and kicking out and finding the right person. So uh, just a guy that I don't think will command a lot of money um, so, uh, just, just somebody who I think that the Celtics would, would benefit with on the team. No, just like I needed Bobby Portis and, uh, Marcus Smart, I would die to see a TJ McConnell and Marcus Smart backcourt together. Not because, you know, I mean, the offensive side of the ball would be a little, frankly, ridiculous, but that defense and that grit and that effort would be pretty hilarious to watch together. Um, you know, and I, I do see people in the comments saying, and I honestly tend to agree, that I think uh, Pritchard should just step into that role. I mean, you know, I know there are different players. You know, TJ's a little bit more of a ball mover. Pritchard, uh, I would say, brings more value than TJ does when he has the ball in his hands. But I just think Pritchard shooting off the dribble, you know, he can turn into that scrappy guy. And as far as Deadman goes, um, 100% what you're saying is true. The only way Deadman gets brought in is if Moses Brown is not looking that good in camp or something, or, you know, they just don't think they have uh, – they don't they don't know if they can really count on him for minutes. Um, and Tristan Thompson gets moved, and then it would be kind of insurance for Rob Williams. Uh, but then again, we're getting into a conversation of how much free agency money can you really commit to an insurance policy. So, uh, you know, you're right. That probably is a very unlikely thing to happen at all is the Celtics signing another – I, I, yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't see another center yeah, it's, on, on the roster. It's not player. likely. No, not 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 likely at all. I, I think the the point guard and the and the power forward are going to be the main address points, uh, and then also the Evan Fournier situation. That's going to be something to monitor as well as we progress more into the off season. But uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to throw in here today, Lucas? Uh, you know, no. I think we covered. You know, maybe a couple too many free agents, but I think we. Uh, I think we covered. You know, we, we we just throw some names out there. I mean, if, if right. people start getting linked to the Celtics this offseason comes, we'll we'll go into more detail and see how the thing really works and stuff. But no, I think but, uh, if, if anyone has any questions, though, uh, we can. You know, I'm ready to start bringing people up on stage. You know. So all right. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Um, if you will have any questions, uh, as we are recording here on the green room, uh, if you wanted to either come up and ask a question or you can just drop it in the comments, we uh, are opening up to the questions right now. So uh, you can either do a speaker request. If the speaker request is not working, just comment in the section. Be like, hey, can I come up and ask a question? I'll beam you up as well. But um man. yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for this offseason, man. Oh, I'm excited yeah. for this offseason. <laughs> Hundred percent for the new coach and everything like that. No, the the press conference really, man. I was giddy, honestly, after I watched it. You know, a couple times, um, and I know, you know, I know they're supposed to say like coaches and people in, in press conferences are supposed to say the right things, but this felt pretty. Uh, it felt genuine. Um, like you know, that's one thing that a bunch of people I read when reading up on Ime uh, harped on was you know just his. His authenticity, and you could it really came off in the press conference. Um, it did not feel like he was just saying the right things to say the right things. Um, you know, it just felt like he was saying how he truly felt. Um, and here we go. A question from Kev. All right, Kevin, man, you go ahead, Lucas. I'll let you. I'll All let right. you say, say on this one because uh, All if right, well, I go first, I might take over this conversation because okay. uh, you so, can also tell people how I, I sold you on this guy. I will. Okay, so. Kevin asks, do y'all think Aaron Neesmith takes a leap next season? Um, you know, I think he will um, because, you know, and not a gigantic leap. This man's not going to turn into an off-the-dribble shooter or stuff like that. But he really showed, um, you know, I would say it's towards the last third of the season uh, that Neesmith really can be a valuable player, knocking down jump shots at an efficient clip, playing good defense, diving for loose balls, you know, getting steals and blocks, like – Honestly, he just found a way to play himself onto the court by making open shots and making hustle and defensive plays. And I honestly think that's what the Celtics need around guys like Jason and Jalen. Now, I will admit, 
Neesmith looked like a chicken running around with his head cut off for the first two-thirds of the season, and I was damn near ready to be fully out on him as a prospect. But Patrick, you know, stoked the flames of my belief and said, just wait, just watch. He does some good things. Who, what do you know? Next three or four games I watched, uh, you know, Neesmith actually had a, a terrific stretch, making threes, making impact plays. So I got to give Patrick uh, Patrick credit on this one, man. He, uh, he you know, he, he allowed me to believe again. And, uh, and you know, Neesmith really, uh, really. Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a big believer on the Aaron Neesmith train. Uh, he has a lot of great qualities, um, physically uh, an athletic monster. Um, the thing that he has right now that's uh, a little worrisome is that he tends to be a little too jumpy, too energetic, which is, you know, for most people, like, why is that a bad thing? Um, it's just he needs to slow slow down a little bit. He needs to control his energy a little bit better. Um, I think he's going to have a, a very successful NBA career in the sense that he'll be in the league for 10-plus years because I think he's, as he gets more comfortable, his shot's going to be more – you know, consistent. He could be a three and D type guy. That's almost at the level of like a, a seventh to six man rotational player, maybe even a starter quality where he's just a good role player. I don't see him like ever like reaching maybe like, you know, real high end quality NBA talent where you're talking like possibly an all-star or anything on that level by any means, but he does show a lot of qualities. And the thing that I've really loved about Aaron Neesmith personally is his willingness to work hard. He's a guy that you can tell when he goes into the gym that he is working really hard to to really emphasize and working on his game. A big thing that he was affected on was such a quick turnaround with the whole bubble season going into a COVID season. Aaron Eastmith really was affected. Like the rookies, you know, he did, he wasn't like Peyton Pritchard who had four years in college and had a lot of games under his belt and went in the NBA a lot, you know, older and more experienced and kind of fit a lot easier, faster. So it, it definitely seemed like he was having trouble with like learning the playbook and everything like that. Now he gets a new fresh start, new coach, a full off season chance to really work on his game and a coach that's really going to emphasize his development. And I think that's going to be really important for him. I think uh, Ime is going to do a great job of excelling in his development and put him in positions to succeed. Um, so I'm just excited for the opportunity to see what Aaron Neesmith has to take in the next season. I would not be shocked, man, if he, if he ends up showing out a little bit, um, for sure. Oh, sorry. I was just Googling the name of, uh, Aaron Neesmith's agent because I was just making sure it wasn't Patrick Lonsberry, dude. Uh, no, no, but, uh, but seriously, I do agree. I do agree. Neesmith's, uh, willingness to, you know, play hard, honestly, I'll say it. last season it really stuck out because, you know, he was one of the sometimes the only guy going 110% on the court. And honestly, as much as he frustrated me in the beginning of the year, it was impossible not to start to show some gratitude for that. Um, and, you know, he's a knock, he, he showed he's a knockdown shooter. Like I'm talking about these guys like Reggie Bullock, Wayne Ellington. And this is kind of why I harped on what uh, Ime said in the press conference about wanting to develop these first round picks. We won't need to spend cap space on a guy like Reggie Bullock or, or Wayne Ellington if Ime is able to develop a guy like Romeo. I mean, Romeo will never be the shooter those guys are. But a guy like Neesmith, uh, you know, we have team control. We're not going to spend any extra money. Uh, that's why I think that, uh, you know, developing these guys is such a big deal. And, uh, and you know, I think Neesmith has a chance, you know, be a rotation, rotation level player. And honestly, I still believe in uh, Romeo Langford. You know, I get a little bit of James Young vibes from him as far as just, like, you know, disappearing. Um, but Romeo's perimeter defense has already shown flashes to me. Um, Kev, you don't want my thoughts on Carson Edwards. Um, but I do oh. think I do think that Grant Williams is, uh, you know, he brings value when he plays small ball five. And as we just talked about, man, our, our center rotation is really, really crowded right now. Uh, so I wonder what Grant is doing, you know, in the offseason to kind of improve his lateral quickness uh, because that was one thing that I saw got exposed. But I like Grant as a player, but I just see his uh, his value being maximized at the small ball five, and there's not going to be a lot of minutes for him to play there. Uh, yeah, the thoughts of uh, the thoughts on uh, Carson Edwards and Grant Williams, man. Uh, I actually like Grant Williams. I think, uh, you know, he, he was in his second year, once again, turnaround season. The season was just so weird for younger players. Um, I'm interested to see what 
Emay is able to do as far as development wise for Grant Williams. I say I give them this one season with Emay and just see what you have in them and see what you're able to really pull out of them as a player. And that will give us the best impression. I feel like as far as Grant Williams' time on the Celtics, I feel like he's going to be on the hot seat for this next season uh, or if he's not moved before the season starts. And then as far as uh, Carson Edwards, since, uh, you know, Lucas here is not a, doesn't want to go into that type of uh, discussion, I, I'll take it there. I'll take it there. Carson Edwards is, is a player that, you know, he's a scoring guard, super undersized, plays with a lot of energy. He is a bucket. The, the only issue is, you know, there's just some players that are, are meant to play at the NBA level. And I'm not saying that he's not an NBA level talent. It's just on this roster specifically, it, the opportunity is just not there for him to to show any type of talent if he had any to kind of present. There's times in the season where Tremont Waters was getting minutes over him. Carson Edwards is, is almost like the taco fall of the guards, where it's like if you're not up by 20 or down by 20 in the last five minutes, then you're probably not going to see him on the court. There's some random times where Brad Stevens, when they were a little short, um, he'd throw him in there and try to get a little spurt going. Not much happens. Uh, I personally think that, you know, if I was Carson Edwards, I would maybe look even possibly going overseas for a couple of years. Uh, you know, overseas basketball, you get paid a lot of money still. You uh, get to travel the world and, and, you know, it's still a good, really good life. And I think he'd be a really good uh, um, overseas type player. That's, that's my opinion on Carson Edwards. Yeah. So if Carson was a wonderful player in college. Um, and, you know, I do still think there's a pathway to him being kind of that microwave score off the bench for an NBA team. Um, but like Patrick's saying, this is not the situation for him to grow into that role. Um, you know, he doesn't provide value on defense. He's a, exactly Reese reset in the chat. He just went to the wrong team. You know, if he went to a bad team who had a lot of opportunities to put the ball in his hands and just let him shoot with the green light, you know, I think Carson could have developed a little more, but this is just the, I think Carson, yeah, I agree. needs a change of scenery. Now, hopefully it's not Europe, you know, hopefully he gets to stay in the league, but like Patrick said, you know, you get a little more cultured. He'll probably honestly get paid a little more in Europe. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I don't know. I was excited about the Carson Edwards pick when it happened, I have to admit. But it has not panned out like I expected. Is, is it too late to uh, include Carson Edwards in that OKC deal just to free him? No, no, is they can have it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll make a call. I'll call Sam Presti. It'll be it's fine. Right. Hey, man. Hey, Sam Presti. I know you and Brad Steven got a, got a good relationship. Uh, you want uh, Carson Edwards? You know, um, you, you can take, just have take it. The, you just have it, man. Sorry, we just want to see. We want to see him do good. That's that's the thing. No, truthfully, it's not, it's no, truthfully, no, it's no shade to Cardinals. One hundred percent. No, it's just more. We just understand it's not the situation for him. Exactly, exactly. But you know, I hope he comes. Hey, I hope he comes out and proves me wrong this year because he's on my favorite team, and I want every guy on every team, honestly, to succeed. You know, besides the Lakers, maybe. Uh, but besides that, you know, I want to. Uh, I want to see Carson succeed. So I hope he proves us wrong. I hope he does. Oh, 100%, man, 100%. I, I really love uh, Carson Edwards, and uh, that that dude is just, just built. He's just built, man. He, he reminds me of, like, uh, the basketball version of Saquon. Oh, this man has thunder thighs. He's just built. For sure. <laughs> thunder size, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And then uh, we also brought up um, the name of uh, Romeo Langford. Uh, as much as I'm also an Aaron Neesmith stan, I, I am a big Romeo fan. Uh, I do think that he has a lot of potential of growth. Uh, he's he hasn't had an off season yet to work on his game. It's always been rehabbing because he's just had those unfortunate years and a quick turnaround and everything like that. But his defensive possibilities on that end of the floor is insane. He has such a high ceiling on the defensive end. And I understand that he had that wrist surgery that he's actually had the same wrist surgery that Jalen Brown had to get. The only difference is Jalen Brown's doing it on his offhand. Well, he had it on his shooting hand. So he had to relearn how to kind of get his shot up and everything like that. At times it looked good. Sometimes it looks really broken. But now he gets an off season where he has the opportunity to really take uh, a chance to work on, you know, developing that shot a lot better. Uh, an area that I really think I'd like to see him develop in is in ball handling a little bit more because I think that he has the ability to be a ball handler. Um, he, he has He's shown flashes to me as some playmaking ability. And I just like to see him have that ability to take people off the dribble and think, and I think that would add a lot to his game on the offensive end, being able to put the rock down and really get himself a bucket and get going on that far. But I'm a big Romeo guy. I also don't think uh, he's on like the same kind of hot seat that Grant Williams is uh, in the sense of, you know, he's probably got like a year or two on the team if they go into the season with him to figure out what they have as far as he goes. 
and it'll be very interesting to see what they decide to do. Also, can I just say uh, RIP to the semi Ojale era, most likely coming to an end this offseason. Um, Semi's a free agent, and I do not see him coming back in Celtic screen. Now, if he does come back, I spoke too soon, but, you know, it was a great era, Semi. You got a playoff start. You know, I'll say you locked down Giannis for the narrative, even though it's not even true. Um, but, you know, I'll be sad to see Semi go. He played hard. Shout out Semi, man. Love love some Semi Ojale. Yeah, but does that about uh, does that that about do it that, for that, us? That, that that pretty much I think does it here. You know, I don't see any more uh, questions here in the <laughs> chat here, and uh, you know we we we've been going on here for a little bit, so uh, we'll uh, we'll end it here. All right. Well, uh, unless thank anyone you, wants, everybody. yeah, unless anyone wants yeah. more semi ojale talk, I feel like uh, you know we'll probably, <laughs> we'll probably be done for the night. <laughs> oh man, oh man, semi man. Uh, you know what, semi ojale, you're always welcome, man. If you ever want to come on the podcast, man, we'll, always we'll definitely have that. Always welcome. Love love us some semi ojale But yeah, man, um, great show today, man. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Celtics. Um, we post every time we post our show, it'll be on there as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. That's B A L L I N O P I N I O N S. Lucas, you can follow him on Twitter as well. What's your handle, Lucas? Uh, it's at Luca, L-U-C-A underscore Gainer, G-A-Y-N-O-R. Um, yeah, appreciate everyone for showing out. Um, and, you know, you'll probably hear from us, uh, you know, maybe later next week. Yep, yep, man. We try to pump out these shows at least once a week now um, in the off offseason. Uh, maybe as things get more progressive, as news breaks and everything, we might um, up the shows to maybe two a week just uh, depending on uh, what's kind of going on in the basketball world. But, yeah, yeah. man, I uh, hope everybody's going to enjoy a, a nice 4th of July weekend. Yeah. I hope you guys spend some time with your family. Yeah. you got the NBA Finals about to start up soon here. Um, go enjoy that. Thank you guys all for stopping by to the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast, and uh, see you.